Tennessee Titans talk. The 2021 NFL Draft is in the books. Done. We had a fun weekend. I watched the first three rounds together. Had a just great time being back together. You guys uh, heard our remarks on uh, round one. We'll talk a little bit more about Caleb Farley, but we're going to get in in this episode and do a full Titans draft recap. We're going to give our analysis, uh, a little more information on our eight picks from this weekend. All right, guys, let's get started. John, first things first, uh, you weren't able to be with us on Friday. You were still recovering from uh, that Caleb Farley pick. Your reaction uh, real time on that pick, uh, your quotes, uh, among others, that was a horrible pick. I want to go home. I hate the NFL. (laughs) Two days later, big fella, um, how are you feeling about Caleb Farley at 22? Well, I feel a lot better. Um, obviously I, I always have a very dramatic and emotional response to whoever we draft. I feel like, you know, we, we never draft that flashy, exciting person in the, the first round. It's been a minute. And like, even when we drafted Jeffrey Simmons, I was, I was upset. I was like, what in the heck? Um, and this is kind of, Landon made this comparison. It's kind of like that. We get top 10 talent because of one concern or the other. And this one was back surgeries. Like we talked about in person, our medical staff has been able to kind of get more insight than might have been available. Caleb Farley, and they felt comfortable to pick him at 22. So obviously, it's a position of need. It's top 10 talent. So let's do it. I mean, I've seen a lot of people compare him to Cortland Finnegan. I think it was from Michael Griffin. He compared him to Cortland Finnegan. So if we could do that all over again, sign me up for it. I'm ready. Yeah, Cortland Finnegan in uh, Champ Bailey's body, maybe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think he has the moxie True. of Cortland Finnegan, which is mm. great. Yeah, I think Cortland Finnegan was one of the all-time uh, uh, underrated corners in the NFL for a while. Landon, you feel any different about Caleb Farty at 22? I believe you kept – I think you kept John from the knife drawer uh, Thursday. So, <laughs> thanks again for that. Uh, any any more thoughts about Farley at 22 for you? I'm about the same. My grade then, my grade now would probably be a B-plus. The talent is an A++, and it's just hard to quantify his back injuries and the long-term health. But I will say it's different than a guy like Rondell Moore or Walker Little where for multiple seasons they get hurt, and it's not the same place. It's a leg. It's it's the other leg. It's their back. It's their arm. It's just this and that. At the very least with Farley, it's concentrated to one area. So I feel more confident in saying that if our doctors cleared him, he'll be durable compared to a guy like Rondell Moore where – he just keeps getting injured in the lower body, and he's already so small. At the very least, Farley is a big corner, so he's not going to be hurt by his size at all. Yeah, I do really, the more I think about it, of course, I, we all rationalize it. Why, why wouldn't we, right? But he's big, he's fast. You watch the tape that's out on him, he's got good closing speed. He's got work to do even beyond the entry, but you like the personality, and you certainly like just the athleticism. Uh, don't we want a team that's shooting for Super Bowl? Do we want a team that just wants, hey, maybe a 22 will get a solid corner? It's like, at the end of the day, don't isn't that what we want? I mean, oh, do, do we want a team that aspires to nine and seven, or we're out now ten and uh, seven, or do we do we want boomer bust? I think at this point, um, you know, I'm for it. Well, yeah, I mean, how many of those? Patriot Super Bowls were because they weren't afraid to go- to take a guy, regardless of what round, that other people passed on for one reason or another. I mean, that's what good teams do. They do their homework, and they take the smartest player or the smartest pick for them. So I think you, you ha- if 
if you have confidence in our front office, um, then this is the pick for us, and I think it'll be I think it'll be good. Quickly, Landon, if you were in those shoes and you were picking at twenty two, is there a guy you would have picked um, over Caleb Farley? No, I think that was the right decision to make. It would have been Farley or Newsom. I think cornerback was definitely the biggest need, as we saw on as we saw on Friday afternoon. There was a run on corners in the mid-second round. It dried up by the time we got to the second round. And Newsom, I saw some rumors that he wasn't the perfect scheme fit for us. He also had some durability concerns, and he just didn't have quite the upside that Farley did. So I'm cool with taking Farley at 22. What about you, John? Would you, if you were uh, in those shoes, looking back on it now, is I don't, I see some players I like, but I, looking back, I don't see an obvious guy that went, let's say, 23 to 33 that would be. Um, a better bet than Farley's upside. No, if we said put a 22, I mean, you, you have to take him. You look at the people who are taken after him with Derisaw, Harris, ETN, Newsom. I mean, Newsom was a guy that you guys were really high on. I wasn't huge on him. Um, actually, I take that back. I might have taken Rashad Bateman at 22 if we had stayed put. He went at 27 to the Ravens. The other guy that I really liked was Quiddy Pay. He went to 21 to the Colts, which that terrifies me. Um, so I honestly, if I were a GM, if there was a way Quiddy Pay were still on the board at twenty, I would have seen if I would have seen if there was a way to to move up. And you know, maybe John Robinson did that, and maybe he was kind of out of you know the, out of a possibility. Um, but I would have liked to get Quiddy Pay. But um, I you know, all in all, I think Landon kind of hit it with a B plus for taking Farley right there at twenty two, which is not a bad pick, not a bad pick, or not a bad grade. The thing about Newsom, I do like him, but um, I see the logic because <clears throat> Newsom's ceiling, I think, is being an above-average uh, corner, right at above average, you know, for a handful of seasons. And I think Cale Farley, that back could go wrong, and he could just not pick, continue to grow. But I mean, his ceiling is like Patrick Sertain's dad, or someone that could really be really good and make three or four Pro Bowls, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so you go ceiling. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there's anybody that I – some years it's like, yeah, he's okay, but he, this player was right there. And, you know, people love Elijah Moore, but at the end of the day, I'm a traditionalist, five foot eight um, receiver. Uh, yeah, he might be really, really good, but I, I still think you go your biggest need and your highest ceiling. Well, the one, the one thing I do love about Caleb Farley that I'm already hearing is that is like literally when he was on the phone with John Robinson, he he's you know they had the the pleasantries like, hey, you're going to be a Titan. His next question was, when can I get the playbook? I mean, that's what you love to hear. Uh, when can I get the playbook? When can I meet my teammates? So that's the kind of guy that you really want to get on your team. So I do like that. It does make me feel a lot more comfortable. Um, and, you know, coming off of these injuries and red flags, he's got a lot to prove. He's got a chip on his shoulder. So I think, you know, hopefully he's going to be motivated by that and, you know, have that extra drive. At pick 53, we took Dylan Raddance, offensive tackle, played his college football at North Dakota State, a Minnesota native, um, obviously went to North Dakota State. They are the juggernaut of FCS. Um, they've got a lot of talent, put some talent in the NFL. Six foot six, 301 pounds. Um, this guy has been talked about in the second round. He was not a reach. He went right about where um, most people thought he would. I really like his upside. 
Uh, they're talking right tackle for him. Honestly, I see him more as a potential left tackle. Um, he is developmental, so he's not a pencil in. Although I think he, if he stays healthy and he gets a full training camp, I, I think we could see him, um, if not start play a lot, even in week one. Uh, he is a good football player. He played one game last year, so it's kind of hard to know. But, again, here they took tools. Uh, they took a guy who theoretically could be a really good uh, football player that is not going to be limited by his athleticism, which is above average for a size, or his size itself. I liked him at 53. Uh, that's the pick I would have made at 53. Um, I, di- I don't like – I think he's in a different class than Jalen Mayfield who went uh, a little bit later. Uh, I think offensive tackle was absolutely – some people wanted us to go receiver. That would be – I think uh, there was um, Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan on the table, Tutu Atwell, who people had mocked us to. I never thought we would take Terrace Marshall – uh, the LSU receiver that I'm not as high on, I know as, La- as Landon was, Carlos Bassham went uh, to the Bills, which I think is where he belongs. Ultimately, we went tackle here. I really, really like the pick. We watched this together. I was really excited, which is weird to go woohoo um, in a sports bar over Dylan Radance, and no one knows who the heck that is. But we all do, so I was excited <laughs> for him. Landon, what did you think of Radance? I'd give it a B. Like you said, he went where he should go. And to me, the biggest win of this pick was not just that we got the last good offensive tackle because Jalen Mayfield is going to be a guard. It's that we blocked the Colts from taking Raddins. And so now looking back at their draft in hindsight, they didn't draft a tackle. So now maybe they're going to sign a free agent and they'll get a stopgap. But I'm sure they really wanted to get a good, cheap, developmental guy. And we blocked them from doing that while filling a major need. And... We were going to take an offensive tackle no matter what. Radins was the last guy before there was a major drop-off, even in right. the mid to late rounds. But, And I agree with what you said about the other guys. Terrace Marshall, his knee must have turned us off. Boogie Basham would have been nice. I wanted Joseph Asai, the 3-4 edge rusher from Texas. And he went the early third round. But obviously, with the signing of Bud Dupree, we felt confident that edge wasn't that big of a need. It's so expensive to move up in this early second round. I bet I bet we liked Eichenberg, but honestly, Radins is um, definitely has a lower floor than the offensive tackle Eichenberg from Notre Dame, but he has a higher ceiling. He's got a better body. Um, he's 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 a good athlete. Uh, he is uh, like a a light version of Taylor Lewan coming out. He's got he just didn't star in the Big Ten for three years. Um, but that's what they like about him. Um, he is an athletic guy. You watch his tape. I mean, when you're 300 pounds and you could gain to lose to gain 25 more pounds, you've got a good frame. Um, big fellow, what do you, what do you think of Dylan Raddins? I like it. You know, like you said, he's got a big frame. He's not a day one starter, but, um, honestly, I feel like he might be in a position where obviously right tackle is a big need for us right now. Well, we need somebody to plug and play and maybe he's pushed in a little earlier than he needs to be, but. Um, I think he's a guy that should eventually take over the starting job in the middle of the season. Um, <clears throat> but I like it. You know, it's a, it, it, we talked about it. It fills a position of need. There are a couple other guys I'm looking at that I would have probably tried to draft. But then, like Landon mentioned, tackle depth just falls off the face of the earth. Um, yeah, like, for instance, yeah. um, uh, for, you know, 10 or 12 picks later, um, a guy that I kind of liked, Brady Christensen, went. Mm-hmm. But he's in a different class than um, than Radins. So, yeah, I mean, that's true. Like, they were – I appreciate that we had the patience to wait 
and not sacrifice the rest of our draft for maybe a pick next year, it must mm-hmm. have taken a lot of nerve because, yeah. you know, the Browns could have took him. You right. know, and I mean, the pick before, you know they were just there. And, and Landon makes this great point that I think the average fan is thinking, we kept him from Indianapolis, which he certainly would have been. I think that they kind of like went with uh, Odom Bale from Vanderbilt, who's got decent upside, but was a bit of a reach. When you see teams reach, you think, well, who did they really want to pick? Who did they, who got stolen from them? And I think that's what happened. So, I mean, that's as much as anything, right? Uh, If he turns out to be a good player, it'll be even better that he doesn't play for the Colts. Right. And and I never want to give good players to the Colts, Ravens, Steelers. I hope they all draft like nobodies and they always stay nobodies. Unfortunately, it doesn't always happen. Um, But I think taking Radins right there prevented the Colts from doing that. And like you said, they reached on uh, the kid from Vanderbilt. Maybe, uh, I mean, who knows? He's got a lot of talent, but... Landon and yeah, I but were I'm just saying. I mean, his, I think he could have went later. Yeah. Yeah. Good, oh, of course. But... The, of course. And I, I want to see the the Colts reach all the time. I want to see them always do that. And I hope they're wrong more than they're right. Um, <clears throat> sitting there at 53, though, other players that I was considering. Obviously, you mentioned Terrence Marshall. He was somebody that I really, really wanted. Um, Landon and I argued about this guy, can you know, forever. Pat Freermuth out of Penn State. I love yeah. him. Landon was, when we were talking, Landon said, he's just a big, huge tight end that can get lost in the red zone and, you know, get wide open. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, he's he's been dubbed the baby Gronk, um, and he went to the Steelers. Not, yeah, but you watch his tape. He is nothing about Gronk, but he is reliable and tough and a good blocker. Yeah. But I think it's one of those things, like, I was raised um, to not take the Lord's name in vain, uh, and I still don't like to. Um, I'm not being sacrilegious here, but I don't think we should say words like Gronkowski or Brady <laughs> or McNair right. when we're comparing to these guys. No, it's I don't. Just, it's like nails on a chalkboard whenever it's like, yeah, he's the baby Gronk. He's like, look, I've been watching football for 30 years, and I've never seen anybody play the position that well in, in like, yeah, I think Tony Gonzalez might have had a better career, but Gronk in his three-year prime was like, the greatest oh, tight end yeah. to ever live. So people need to shut up about that. Yeah. Don't you, you think it gets overused? It's like that. It, it, to me, it's like, it's just sacrilege. Like, don't say that about that kid. I think people called him baby Gronk. Cause they probably couldn't pronounce his last name. Freyermuth. I mean, it, it's easier to say baby Gronk than, than Patrick Freyermuth, but man. <laughs> Wolf. Yeah. I'm right though, right? Am I am I being right? It's like, man, I just think I wish we could just like, okay, I know it's easy for like our lazy national people to compare people to like all time greats, but it's like I wish it was like a moratorium. It's like there's ten names you can't use. Jerry Rice, you know, no, you're just like off the board. You cannot <laughs> compare anyone to Jerry Rice. Or Tom Brady or oh man, Wolf. Yeah. Um I we traded pick eighty five. Uh, going into the draft we had three third round picks, eighty five and one hundred. We traded 85, moved back to 92. We got pick 135 uh, in the fourth round for that. I'm going to name off real quickly the players that went from 85 uh, to 92, and I want both of you to tell me if there's a guy you'd rather have than that fourth-round pick because I think that's the way we need to look at these trades. All fine and good to trade back, but did we miss a good player here? We wound up picking at 92, Monty Rice. Um, Kind of an interesting pick, but I think they know that one way or the other they're going to need – a linebacker uh, for 2022, and they obviously like what they saw from him. This guy's a thumper, so I really never hate it when they um, – whatever, but I think everyone was expecting a receiver, and we had, I think, three go 
um, or after 85. So that's really mm-hmm. kind of what I'm getting at. For instance, we traded with the Green Bay Packers who took uh, Tennessee native uh, and, and Clemson uh, alumnus Amari Rogers. Uh, next pick was the guard, White Davis from Ohio State, who I, I didn't really like. Kendrick Green, the guard from Illinois. Trey Sermon, another um, Tennessee native. Uh, the Ohio State running back went to the 49ers. Um, Nico Collins, the receiver from Michigan, big-time burner, who I didn't think was a fit for us, but a lot of people liked. <laughs> he went to the uh, Houston Texans or the artists formerly known as the Houston Texans, I think is <laughs> what we'll call them. Uh, Patrick Jones is second, the defensive end from Pitt, uh, went to the Vikings. And then Anthony Schwartz, the really, really fast guy from Auburn, uh, went to the Browns. And then we picked Monty Rice. So the question is, start with you, Landon. Did we make a mistake not drafting one of those guys to get another fourth? Yes, and we'll get to that later. But with the receiver, we did draft in the fourth. And then the edge rusher, we drafted in the fourth. I would have rather stuck at 85, drafted Amari Rogers, and still gone Rashad Weaver in the fourth. Because to me, Monty Rice, I understand one or both of Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans, if we don't pick up his fifth-year option, will be gone next year, and our depth will be really bad. But to me, just Rice just lacks the upside and the physical tools and the coverage ability to be worth a third-round pick. If you are taking a linebacker, I would have taken Baron Browning from Ohio State, freaky athlete, just needs to be coached on the middle side, or Jabril Cox, who was, who was one of the steals of the draft, an elite coverage linebacker, and I wonder if just Mike Vrabel being an old-school tough guy and all that, he saw Cox being such a terrible run defender. He's kind of passive physically. I wonder if that turned him off. But to me, coverage ability, I care about that a lot more than tackling and run defense. I would have taken Jabril Cox or Baron Browning if I couldn't have taken Amari Rodgers at 85. Biggie, what do you think? Any of those guys um, give you really bad hindsight? Um, I re- I, I like Amari Rogers. Uh, I think that would have been a decent pick there, staying at eighty five, and that's probably you know probably what we would have done. The other guy I really like, um, I think Landon and I talked about him a little bit on um <clears throat> on Friday was Patrick Jones, the edge out of Pittsburgh. I think we just need edge talent. Um, we've talked about it in this whole off season about how the Buccaneers defense kind of put Patrick Mahomes through the through the ringer and they won a champ championship. Um, so I, I probably would have taken Patrick Jones instead of Monty Rice. Although did you guys see Monty Rice when they were doing his draft profile? It might've been online afterwards, but there were pictures of Monty Rice no. as a kid at Titans games um, at old LP field kind of going nuts. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that kind of made me like, Oh, all right, cool. Like this kid's excited to be here. Um, uh, yeah. He's so from I, Huntsville. Yeah. So it would make sense. He would be, um, a tight spin. I didn't realize that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I was, I, I, I felt a lot better with that too. Um, when that came out, I was like, all right, cool. Like we, we drafted a kid who was excited to be a Titan. Um, and that's what you really want to see. And linebacker is a position of need for us. You know, we don't know what the long-term future of Jayon Brown is. Same thing with Rashawn Evans. You know, we have to decide if we're going to pick up his fifth year option, uh, by tomorrow. Um, and kind of make some decisions there in that linebacking core. So I get it. He's definitely insurance on that, and even maybe even more so an indication that one of those two guys is not going to be back. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, so we make that pick at 92. We kept our pick at 100, and we pick 
I know we were here together, and this is towards the end of a pretty late night. Uh, Elijah Molden, <laughs> yes, uh, cornerback, Washington. Uh, this guy's a bit of a hybrid player, but I'm telling you what, it's weird. Some of these guys, and I know we want to really like these guys, but this guy lasted to pick 100, but it has NFL player written all over him, right, Landon? Yeah, we should really be thanking Jerry Jones for drafting Sean Wright, a guy – None of us had really heard of a 6'4 string bean corner out of Oregon State who was fringe draftable. And to me, this is where Molden should have gone. I know I keep saying this about our picks, but mentally he's a first-round pick all day. But physically, he's fringe draftable. He's 5'9 and a half, short arms, short hands, ran a 4'6". He's just not athletic. And in the NFL, he's going to have to be schemed around. You don't want him matched up with a burner. You don't want him matched up with a big X receiver on the outside. But just his versatility, just replacing Amani Hooker as the slot safety, as the nickel, just I really like it. And I think when you've got that sharp of a mind and you have that much passion for the game like Molden has been talked about, and he plays special teams, he was their special teams player of the year as a sophomore, you're going to find a way to succeed in the NFL. You're going to have to be covered for some, but you're going to be a productive player. Well, you know, his father is basically the exact same size and played – uh, eight years in the NFL, of course, you know, in 96 to 2004, it was a, a different game. And Landon makes a really good point about that speed. I don't I don't love that. So, yeah, uh, he went probably where he should just because he ran a 4.6. But uh, Hooker's maybe got a little bigger frame, but Hooker had the same issues, John, and we schemed him into being a guy that we're going to count on as a starter next year. That's the hope that we develop Molden uh, into the same, right? Yeah, I think so too. But I think this guy's um, football intelligence is off the charts. I think he's going to be, I think, tell you the truth, he, I, I think he's going to be a guy that you cannot ignore as a starter eventually as we get through the season. And he will be out there and it's going to help Bayard's play. It's going to help everybody's play because he is going to study his playbook probably more intensely than anybody else on our team. Maybe Caleb Farley too. Maybe the two of them like just lock lock each other in rooms and have the playbook and kind of go at each other with it. Um, so I think that he is going to be a stud for us. So pick 109, we we made a trade. Um, this is the beginning of uh, day three. Uh, pretty curious. Um, we must have spent overnight in a, uh, our front office thinking about who we really wanted. I don't like when we fall in love with a guy, but who, who am I to say, right? But uh, in terms of the third day, we, we gave good value. We, to move up to pick 109 uh, in the fourth round, we gave up 126, 166, and 232, which is a seventh rounder. And, of course, 166, the fifth rounder, gave up three picks to move up from 126 to 109, which is, you know, nearly a round. We pick Louisville wide receiver Des Fitzpatrick. Now, Fitzpatrick was a guy who um, was productive, not super productive, but productive for four years, got a really good frame, good size, and although uh, people don't think he's a burner on tape, he had a really good pro day 40 time, uh, he does look like a guy that could come in and fit that need. He's like a poor man's Corey Davis, as it were, in frame and everything. Um, so, yes, I mean, he fits a need. Not everybody had him as high as we picked him. So we'll start with you, John. What did you think of the value we gave up? What did you think of Des Fitzpatrick? And was there anybody that went after him before our next pick that we just really missed on? Um, I think it's a good pick. I think, like you said, he kind of fits with what we wanted to do. Uh, I know Alanda and I were talking about Amon Ross St. Brown as a potential pick um, out of US, USC, and he might have fit that same 
build. Um, although I think Landon, um, obviously Landon, Landon knew more about every prospect than I do. So he knows more about Fitzpatrick and his, and his fit. And, uh, you know, I think Landon said that he, out of the, out of all the remaining receivers, he has the best upside, um, and, you know, more of a boomer bust type player. So I think that he could thrive in an environment like ours. Yeah. I, I really hate this pick. I want to give it an F, not just because we trade up good value, but just, for the player, I thought Fitzpatrick, outside of him being 6'2", 210, he's just a guy at pretty much everything. He's one of the most average receivers I've seen where he's solid, but it doesn't really blow you away. And they talked about it on the broadcast. He had some maturity issues at times. He had drop problems. And to me, if you're trading up a fifth to take your guy, I don't want a guy who's just blah at everything and he can't even catch the football reliably. But I will say, we obviously had a vision of what receiver we wanted to draft. We wanted a big outside X receiver to replace Corey Davis, like Nathan said. Looking at all the receivers drafted after Fitzpatrick, I would have taken Amir Smith-Marset out of Iowa, similar frame, better speed, better film, and better production. But most of the receivers who were better raw players than Fitzpatrick were more slot and small guys. So I can understand we had a need. We had a, we had a vision of what we wanted. I just don't see why we had to trade up for him. He was a fringe fifth rounder at the absolute best, and we passed on some good players and good value to trade up for him. And we fell in love with him at the Senior Bowl where he did win offensive MVP, but I don't think he was that good. It is weird, John, that they can show such patience to wait on Raddins. That would have taken, like, the nerve of, like, the Cuban Missile Crisis. (laughs) But then they jump up for this guy. So is there something we don't know? Is there some intel? Or is he, like, the last guy of that frame that they – even had on their board it's just weird that they would do that or maybe they know something we don't about numbers and they were always going to do that they were they always wanted to end with eight draft picks maybe they hated uh the seventh round or something uh is there something that you think we're missing there i don't know um because i would i also would have liked to see a stay put i don't i didn't think we needed to jump for this but we did um you know j-rob maybe he sees something that we don't and who who am I to question him at this point? This is where he makes his money. This is where he gets those value picks. So um, that's true. Point, and I like, don't dislike yeah. the player. I mean, you see a guy goes and no no nobody stays anymore unless they're just like a blue chip. So he went in there and kept working and working and working and he played. Uh, they had transitions of coaching staff. I mean, how many people stayed at Louisville? And he did. So right. I mean, there's a lot of that. Ultimately, got to go. And then he ran a good time. So. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like. It's just like, wow, three picks, but yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Like you said, um, I, I don't do this year-round. John Ro- J-Rob, this is his zone. This is his wheelhouse, so, yeah. you know, he gets a bit of the doubt. Although, Landon makes a very good point about how it doesn't make a lot of sense until this guy goes and contributes as a rookie and becomes a, a really good player for us. It's not going to make a ton of sense on paper, and I think that's fair. Well, and one thing I was also thinking about too, why we traded, why we traded and gave up some picks. You know, we're going to be pretty tight against the salary cap the way it is, so maybe he's looking at it of, you know, quality over quantity. And you know, if the more players we draft, the the less of a likelihood we we are that we have that we're going to be able to sign all of them to a contract and make the roster. So maybe that's something he was thinking of. I don't know. I don't know about these minimum contracts and how much um, that really makes, but I mean, who knows? I think there is something that maybe that the average fan or even the the 
the really clued in fan may not know there's something there or maybe they just like the guy and that's yeah. that's well enough um at 135 there's a guy i think it's the guy of the year that i really question like wow well, how did this guy got not, not go higher? Rashad Weaver, defensive end from Pitt. Pitt is a good football program, but they have a great history of putting guys in the NFL and really good players and really un- unheralded players that become very good. And so uh, we've got Rashad Weaver, uh, born in Florida, played tight end in high school, uh, initially was going to go to Michigan, but went to Pitt. Um, you know, played really well and then was an All-American last year. Tore his ACL in 19 and came back. Um, this guy had a lot of sacks. Uh, he's got a good frame, 6'5", 270. Um, I, think, um, I think he is a good fit in the 3-4. Some people kind of question uh, that, but I, I just like guys that are that big that can move. Um, I think the big question on him when you watch him on tape is uh, sometimes his form wasn't great. My guess is, Landon, that our coaching staff, and they have a pretty good history of this, they think that they can create the technique and really unleash and get really – he's got he's got a high motor, he's got good character, he's got a good body, he's got good length. And I think that they see something on tape that they think they can easily fix and make this guy more of a – like a day two production type. Am I wrong about that? And what did you think about Weaver at 135? Well, Weaver is actually my favorite pick of this entire draft. I thought he was beautiful, an easy third rounder. I think he's he should have gone way ahead of Patrick Jones. He has John. Is this had, music to your ears? Because it's music to mine. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. He had he had an elite ten yard burst, which is generally more telling of a pass rusher's explosiveness than the raw forty where he was average. And he had elite agility scores, a ninety three percentile short shuttle. So he's explosive. He's agile. I like his hands. He was productive. He came back from an injury, lower body injury, was productive. He's just a. Re- I just think he's going to be really solid as that third guy. Just having a third guy that's athletic, explosive, that's actually good, and isn't just someone we picked off the scrap heap because Harold Landry can't play 100% of the snaps. I just really like it. I think Weaver is going to be the steal of this draft as far as the Titans go. John, what did you think about this guy from uh, America's uh, most underrated city? Ugh, woof. Terrible city. Uh, but like you <laughs> said, the, the way that Pittsburgh has flown on the ra- under the radar as far as a program, but their ability to put kids in the NFL is just, you know, amazing. Uh, I mean, we're looking at Aaron Donald and, you know, other players of, you know, historic. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald a billion years ago. Dan Marino. I mean, they do it. And, you know, this kid. Well, yeah, we keep going. The <laughs> island himself went there. Uh, yeah, Marino. Uh, oh, man, they've got history and then they've got recent history. It's just yeah. it's really when you look at it and if you ever do like a deep study of it, it's like, oh, yeah, of all time, it's like, yeah, Miami and Alabama and Pitt. I mean, they're really <laughs> up there. They continue to do it. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I like the kid. I like his potential. Um, I love one of his highlights that they, they as a strength, um, <laughs> on NFL's website, it says he rented space in ACC backfields in 2018 and 2020. I mean, that's what you want to hear. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's great. And I, 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 you know, if Landon thinks this is the best pick of the draft, I'm even more for it. So that's incredible. It's great. And then also, you have to figure that J-Rob, um, you know, kind of understands the value. There aren't a lot of edge guys taken after Rashad Weaver for, for a little while. 
Um, you know, there's one at 144 um, to the Chiefs, but after that, it's kind of, you know, there had to be a big, huge drop-off. <clears throat> well, it was a lot of nerve for them to wait on him, knowing mm-hmm. that it was him or nothing. Like Landon said, it was that of the scrap heat. So, uh, you you, you got to like the nerve on them throughout the whole draft, except for something that I think they, they know that we don't. Uh, other than that, they showed a lot of nerve. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right, so we go a while without taking a pick. We miss uh, the coveted fifth round. Sometimes I wish we had every pick in the fifth round with our <laughs> track record. Uh, we skip the fifth round this year. We go to pick 205, Racy McMath. What a great name. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Racy McMath seems like that's, – that's like if I read a really bad, like, um, fan fiction of, like, the NFL – and that would be like the star <laughs> wide receiver's name. Like if they ever make a sequel to, uh, um, what was that bad movie with um, Pacino that you liked? Uh, the football movie where he was the head coach. Twenty. Oh, years any given Sunday. Any <laughs> given Sunday, part two. Racy McMath is definitely <clears throat> like yeah. So Racy McMath, <laughs> LSU wide receiver. Uh, you think LSU and wide receiver? It, it, it perks you up. He played a little, but not even a ton at receiver. Uh, he did. Ha- he he's uh he's got good speed so his uh his average um uh yards per catch were good but this is a guy that doesn't seem like he can like really run a route that well but and i know this is early for this type of uh special teams ace right i mean literally is made to play special teams uh in the nfl um i think this pick signifies that we want to get that back we were in early in the j-rob days a really good special teams um program and that's kind of going off i think we're circling the wagons here right landon uh racy mcmath is a guy they took early to make sure they could get him and they want uh this guy to be our gunner and just to be our our special teams ace and they didn't want to lose him <clears throat> absolutely i believe coach odron said of all the big lsu receivers they've had in the past couple of years mcmath was the fastest so Jamar Chase ran sub 4-4. Jefferson and Terrence Marshall ran 4-4 flat. This guy is the fastest. He was 6-2, 2-15. Just can't play receiver, but is a freaky athlete as a gunner. I like it. Like you said, our kick coverage last year, especially in the Pittsburgh game, was just laughably bad. And to get a guy who was a special teams ace in college, that's how he stuck around in the program. To translate that to the NFL almost flawlessly, I like J-Rob and Vrabel just taking the safe route, taking a guy where... He's going to make the roster. He's going to be contributing in some way. He's not going to bust. And just getting, a, getting like with Chris Jackson, getting a player that makes your roster in the sixth and seventh round is always a win. John, I think some of our fans would want us to take upside here, a guy that maybe could uh, be a, a positional guy. But I think I think this is a return to uh, – attempt to return to excellence on special teams, right? Were you okay with this pick? Is there somebody that went – right after that, that you think we should have took a, a shot at? I mean, at this point, they're scratch-off tickets. We've talked about the philosophy before, and, you know, when you're picking in the sixth, seventh round, <clears throat> you find something you like about one player, and that's kind of what you focus on. And like you mentioned, the speed of this guy and, you know, his ability to play special teams, how many of these guys have we taken that have just been special teamers or have signed, you know, like Josh Kalou? I mean, these guys that can block kicks, they can return punts, they can, you know, be gunners, like you said. And I think that's what you're looking for here. The one guy that I consider is a guy that you turned me on to, um, Stone Forsyth. He was taking a 208, so just a couple picks later. I would have given him another look, possibly, because I think we just need to bolster that offensive line depth. And he would have been a very big um, 
developmental player at a position of need. Now, receiver, we are looking at a really big position of need for our team right now. So, uh, you know, again, I, I can't fault J-Rob for this one. I think it's a decent pick. Um, you take you, you pick a guy based off some things you like, and you try to develop him. All right, so our last pick in the draft this year, still in the sixth round, um, we go special teams, it seems like, again, uh, Brady Breeze. Boy, also another <laughs> great name. Uh, safety from Oregon. Um, you know, um, I read up on this guy. Uh, this guy has really, really good instincts on the field, uh, played quite a bit for Oregon. Uh, he set out last year uh, for COVID reasons. Um, Landon, what, what's their thinking here? Uh, he's another special teams guy. Do you think he could see the field at safety down the road? He's mainly a special teams guy. I believe he was – in 2019, he was – he made first-team All-Pac-12 at special teams, I guess, their gunner position. So, he's got that background. Really just think of any white defensive back stereotype, include the fact that he's a fifth-year senior, and you're thinking of Brady Breeze. He was the defensive MVP, the 2019 Rose Bowl, so that's nice. But Dane Cruikshank is an expiring contract, and he's been a good – he's been a solid special teamer for us, but – Solid special teamers, not really positions that you prioritize re-signing, especially in the sixth, seventh round. These guys are so cheap, you can just find a new guy to replace them. Brady Breeze tries really hard, small, undersized, but has that mentality, and just a guy who's going to make a roster most likely, and that's fine by me. Hey, I mean, how many how many teams in the NFL could say they have Brady and Breeze on their roster? We can. One of them can. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know much about this kid at all. I'll be honest with you, um, but you know, again, like I said with uh, the pick before, um, J. Rob find something about a player, and you know, at this point, do it. So I like the conviction of just taking a guy, and he's a developmental prospect, and you know he could be that gunner too. So I think it's solid, and you know the one of his strengths that they have written down is plays like his hair on hair is on fire, and right. that's kind of like the guys that you want instinctive with nose for the football. Gimme, <laughs> like uh, I'm all for it. Well, guys, that's our picks. Um, I know Landon, uh, we went for uh, a walk at Edwin Warner Friday, and we talked about if we didn't take a wide receiver in day two, that would indicate to you that we have plans for a veteran receiver. I don't want to name any names. Maybe y'all will. But um, we did take a guy in the early fourth. Uh, Obviously, we liked him. We gave up picks for him, but he still is a guy from the fourth. Uh, Going into this weekend, we had a list of needs. Uh, I felt like cornerback was far and away – our biggest need. And I said, I wouldn't be surprised if we took one early and we took one late. Well, we took one early and we took one kind of early again. (laughs) Uh, So I'm glad that we met our need there. And then we said we had a need uh, at tackle. We took a tackle 53rd. We definitely have a need at receiver, but really depth. We have, I think, our top two taken care of. But we need depth for injury and we just need depth. I mean, we're just going to play. You always wind up playing, you know, four or five guys a game. So there are questions there. Uh, we didn't really meet that materially. And then, you know, we had questions at linebacker, and we, we met that, I think, at depth anyway. Um, so it kind of came true, Landon. Uh, does that point in your mind to we're going to make a run at Julio Jones or somebody else we have plans down the road now? We have some cap space. So does that indicate to you, yes, we're going to see a big-name receiver before training camp with the Titans? 
I think so. I think you can make the argument that with Deami Brown going three picks before 85, the last of the instant impact receivers was gone, and we traded back to get the best X receiver available. But to me, you don't trade back in the hope and take a guy in the fourth round if you really need a receiver like we do. Like Josh Reynolds is an average wide receiver three. To me, just the Julio Jones connection just makes so much sense. We're win now. We can afford to give up a mid-round pick next year. We have the cap space to afford him. He's A.J. Brown's idol. A.J. Brown has is just gushing on social media about how he'd love to play with him and he'd give up 11 in a heartbeat. And with So right now we're recording on May 2nd. I believe after May 3rd, any signed free agents don't count against comp picks. So I wouldn't be surprised if we sign a veteran slot guy like Amendola or D.D. Westbrook. But yeah, I just think we're all in on the Julio Jones trade. And really, we're the front runners because every other really wide receiver needy team drafted one pretty early. John, it's a blast to be a contender, right? Oh. To be talking Julio Jones and like for real, yeah. though. Right. <laughs> like like how... that's... And yeah, he's he's 32, but, and I always, you, you guys know, I've, I've, I've thrown a lot of cold water on the veteran guy. Like, well, what does it matter? But Julio Jones would be really good in a role for us where he doesn't have to be what he was. And uh, we could afford him, and uh, wouldn't we wouldn't pay some ridiculous sum for who he was before. I mean, that would be super fun. It would be so much fun. And even more importantly than that, you we get our star, A.J. Brown, to learn some of the tricks of the game from Julio Jones. That's what I really want. I want Julio to come here because it would be great to have a receiver like him play on our squad, but to mentor these younger guys like A.J. Brown, Josh Reynolds, and show them what it's like to be one of the greatest ever played the wide receiver position. Right. Um, so I think that would be huge. There are quite a few other guys I, I think that we can make a run at. Um, I saw the news right after the draft was over and you know we were looking at undrafted free agents that J-Rob, he was asked about restructuring contracts to free up some more cap room, and they are definitely working on that. And then asked about Julio Jones, he said, no comment. So to me, that's happening. Um, I think well, there the are some other... are happening. Oh, sure. without a doubt. The phone calls are happening. They're done. I think some other guys we can look at. Um, I specifically look to Justin Houston as a role player. I think he That'd could be, be an great. interesting fit as an edge rusher. Um, Sheldon Richardson's another guy that's out there. Mm-hmm. He could be up next to um, Danico Autry and, and Big Jeff, and I think he would cause some havoc. Another guy I like that's still floating out there, and you got to wonder why he's still floating out there, um, is Melvin Ingram, linebacker from the Chargers. He yeah. would be an interesting fit on this team, so I think that would be good. Another spot I want to see us kind of – figure something out is tight end I, I i was hoping we would address that in a draft we didn't i really thought we were going to draft brevin jordan but it didn't happen um yeah. so i think that's something we really we're gonna have to go for. veteran there um because the veteran's gonna see an opportunity and they're gonna be guys cut uh, later mm-hmm. on and i think we're just assuming that those kind of guys want to go to a contender or live in nashville and so you're right there's some assumptions made but we are in number one a team in a place people would like to come. When number two, we made some tough decisions to have some cap room and some flexibility. And number three, we have a really aggressive front office. Sometimes like, oh, this or that. And then there are guys that run a team that never pick up the phone. Our guys pick up the phone and call. You just know, like every time when they say, well, the Titans called. I think he, I think anytime he hears anything, I think he picks up and sees what the value is, you know, and what they're wanting. And I really like that. He kicks the tires 
on everything. And we have uh, gotten good guys from waivers from that. We've gotten good trades for that. Uh, he just really goes like he's totally exhaustive. And that makes me feel pretty good about maybe another veteran at tight end. And it makes me feel good about some more depth on defensive uh, line, like you've mentioned. And it makes me feel, uh, you know, really good that we're going to get some wide receiver depth because surely we're not going to go to even to training camp with what we've got. Although, you know, if you add another guy or two, I'm fine with it. Julio Jones would be an absolute blast. I think people talk about him like he's over the hill just because he's a little bit older. This guy's been really productive. He's productive last year. Productive player. His touchdowns have always um, – his lack of touchdowns have always, you know, given people question. But I think if they had a really remarkable tight end throughout his career and another red zone threat, I think he would have caught more touchdowns. I just think you could zero in on him when they're in the red zone. That isn't Julio Jones' fault. And so um, that's the only knock on his career. The guy's had a, has had a Hall of Fame caliber career. He's 32 years old. He looks great. He's played well. He's relatively – late in his career, um, been healthy. So I don't want to give up huge value, but, you know, let her rip. Let's go. That's what I want to see. That will make this summer very interesting. Well, we've covered it. That's our draft class, and we've got a lot to look forward to. Later this week, we're going to do our ever-popular How Did the Teams We Hate Do. Um, we'll cover the draft class of the Colts, the Jaguars, and the uh, team formerly known as the, the Houston Texans. Um, we just appreciate you guys listening to us it's been it's our favorite time of the year um and we just appreciate you guys listening share this podcast with your uh, favorite titans fan and until then uh for john and landon uh tighten up tighten up tighten up